Gear mm-hmm. is like an appendix. You don't need it. Oh, wow. I've that's never heard that one before. That's, that's very wise. Yeah, that's my, that's my thought for the day. <laughs> that's your closing thought? Yeah. Yeah, gear is like an appendix. Just because it's there doesn't mean you need it. Dang. Catch me on the flippity flip. So the first thing that I thought was cool this past, it's been a couple of weeks now, but if you Google a guitar tuner, Google has now created their own guitar tuner that's built into the website that you can use like with your phone or with your computer if it has a microphone on it. But basically you're never without a guitar tuner now. Google's got my back. Google's got your back and, and, you know, spying on you. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. I, I don't even think I ever saw that. What it's still on there. You can search for it. You just search like guitar tuner in mm-hmm. Google and it'll come up and like, you know, ask for a permission for your microphone and then it'll just like help you tune whatever instrument. So not only can you find all the information in the whole world, you can find the right notes. Bingo. Thanks Google. The other thing I found this week that was fun is the actual sound of black holes turned into music. Okay. So this, this Belgian mathematician, he unveiled three songs that he synthesized from the actual sound of black holes. He's an electronic musician and mathematician, and he used data and a new technique called sonification to create otherworldly sounds. And if you listen to them, uh, which we can link below, it's like, uh, shrieks and kind of like atmospheres, low atmospheres and noises, electromagnetic waves produced by black holes. Wow. So the result is three eerie ambient tracks that would not sound out of place in a space horror movie, which is pretty cool. That's crazy. It's like giving new meaning to spacey sounds like, Oh, you know, it sounds spacey. No, literally it sounds spacey. Yeah, and like <laughs> exactly, NASA put out um, several sounds that they collected from Mars, and so we're thinking about making like a a free library with sound iron stuff uh, using as much space galaxy sounds as we can. Nice, definitely sounds like something up our alley, <laughs> right? Sound design space. I was going to, I was going to tell you, have you heard about that new, um, uh, Brainworks came, they're giving out a free plugin. You see that? Oh no, I haven't. Yeah. It's the, uh, the Brainworks master desk classic and they're giving, okay. it, they're giving it away for free until the 24th of, of November. Sweet. So it's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, I, I downloaded it yesterday. I haven't had a chance to mess with it, but it seems like a pretty cool plugin if, you know, especially if you don't really have many mixing plugins for any sort of like mastering type stuff. I think it's some sort of like, like, a, I don't know if it's like a basic compressor, but it's got like some like stereo enhancing features and stuff like that. Nice. But, but uh, yeah, I'll, we'll include the link to that too. But yeah, you just use the promo code. It's like BX for free, something like that. Okay. Plugin. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. I've been collecting some free plugins this week as well. Um, I've been making a bunch of new sound design for Quadril 2. Nice. Um, and so I have grabbed GateLab and FilterStep, which are two free plugins from Audio Modern. And they both have really nice 
GUIs. They um, they have like randomized features. GateLab is just like setting you know time sequenced uh, gate. So like it, you basically um, sequence like pauses and stutters and things like that in your sound. And then mm-hmm. filter step is similar. It just does like filter sweeping and basically like in a stepwise function. So you, oh, set the, nice. so you set the amount of steps and then you like randomize it and tell it how much like dry or wet mix and it just creates crazy movement in your in your work. That's pretty cool. Like my, my first thought to use that is like in replacement of some sort of, uh, you know, like when you sidechain gates or compressors to get the kind of whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah. Like you could probably just throw that on the source you wanted to do that and just. If, if, uh, if it's like how I'm thinking it is, it seems like yeah, pretty- you could do that. This one is usually like m- for more creative applications than like just a side chain kick, but you like what I, what I use it for is like intense movement. Uh, so I'll like throw it on like 50% wet and then just randomize it until I find some sort of like, you know, like people like it'll like, so yeah, it's kind of. Yeah, it's, it just creates like weird and interesting movement, a little bit chaotic, which is a good thing for me. Interesting. It's funny, whenever I think of plugins that do that, I think of, uh, is it Saturn that has some stuff like that? It has like some weird kind of tempo type, like yeah, yeah. modulating. Saturn, Saturn and then uh, Volcano, right? A lot of fab filter stuff has has mm-hmm. some like randomization, like weird sequencing stuff, like a timeless and other delay yeah. pedal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then noise engineering, they are a hardware company mostly. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they make like modular synth stuff, like uh, modules, and. They just created three synth plugins. Oh, nice. And they are free. And um, they just actually got out of beta and they're still free. You just have to create an account on their website. And they're they're really good. They're just VST plugins with a bunch of uh, synth presets. It's it's pretty fun. It's like a it's kind of retro looking GUI. There's a lot of really great presets and very customizable as you would imagine a modular company to be Mm -hmm. yeah there's this other plugin that i i was checking out i think it was yesterday as well uh it's that uh what is it uh the rubber band compressor by by mixland okay i don't know that yeah i guess it's some some new compressor is supposed to you know hence the name rubber band compressor it's not really kind of like it's supposed to like kind of bend with whatever sort of in you know audio that you're feeding it so it's not necessarily like you either clamp it or you don't it's supposed to kind of like almost like move with the music so it's like you can control it but there's a little bit more give depending on how you set it but it seems like a pretty pretty interesting plugin like some of the some of the audio stuff that they had in the video where they were you know testing it on it was like on drums and it sounds like it it definitely enhances the sound and gives it a bit, you know, that kind of energy movement that people like when you dial in a compressor the right way. Like it actually kind of is a little bit more musical, maybe I think is probably okay. what they're going for. And it's free. No, it's, it's pretty cheap. I think it's on sale right now for like 19, maybe it's normally like 29, but it seems pretty, pretty interesting. It's got like a little graphic art of like a rubber band. <laughs> bending nice. I like so. it. 
for any for any of you guys and gals out there that like plugins that have interesting graphics instead of just knobs. I guess it's <laughs> supposed to show you how much the rubber band is bending. I don't know. But yeah, it seems pretty cool though. Like it's it seems like a, a, a different approach, I guess. One thing I found this week that was cool is why you should stop reading news. And this is from Farnham Street blog. Um, he has a podcast. He's a real sharp guy and talks to a lot of um, just like brilliant people in different industries. Mm-hmm. But basically, he wrote a blog post that says, we spend hours consuming news because we want to be informed. The problem is news doesn't make us informed. In fact, the more news we consume, the more misinformed we become. News is, by definition, something that doesn't last. It exists for only a moment before it changes. And as news becomes easier to distribute and cheaper to produce, the quality has decreased and quantity has increased, making it impossible to find signal in the noise. Rarely do we stop to ask ourselves questions about the media we consume. Is this good for me? Is this dense with detailed information? Is this important? Is this going to stand the test of time? And then he, he mentions a couple quotes, but basically we're like overwhelmed by this never ending pressure of trying to keep up. And the, there's a, there's a few problems with that. Number one is the speed of news delivery has increased. We used to have to wait to get a newspaper or gossip with people in our town, but now we can open up social media or any of our news apps or your email and you're just like drowning in it. Uh, second, the cost to produce the news has dropped significantly. Some people write 12 blog posts a day for major newspapers. It's like nearly impossible to write something thoughtful on one top topic, let alone 12. Third, like other purveyors of drugs, producers of news want you to consume more of it. So basically the incentives are misaligned because you're in an advertising culture right? So you need people to click and you need to, you know, enrage them or, you know, make them laugh or whatever, but you have Mm -hmm. to keep their attention in an attention economy. Uh, So my favorite quote from this article is from Nassim Taleb. And he says, to be completely cured of newspapers, spend one year reading the previous week's newspapers. So basically like just read last week's news and see how much of it is actually still important a week later yeah i think most of the time it's just like anything you know news have been doing clickbait for you know before i think clickbait was probably a title you know a buzzword yeah 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 yeah, just like that whole like you know you got to get people's attention by either like scaring them or talking about something that it's like, you know, it's going to get attention or even if making them mad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's like, it's like when you watch reality TV, like, you know, right before it goes to commercial, they show the edit that never even happens. Like they edit it in a way to where it's like, you think someone's either going to get beat up or, or something bad's going to happen. And then yeah. when it comes back, you know, or someone says something that it seems like it was directed to someone else, you come back and it's completely different it's just a way to keep you there like oh dang something's gonna go down or whatever gonna hit you with that click uh that uh cliffhanger yeah exactly and even though the cliffhanger is not even what happens you know like i got like i'm not honestly i'm not a big news watcher um especially because most of the time it's not really anything that i don't think pertains to too much to like my daily activities you know a lot of times it's usually they're just you know talking about whatever current thing like i know like you know when covid 
happened that was just like all you saw in the news and you know of course a lot of people are going to be tuning in because they want to you know see what's going on you know if things are getting better or right. or what kind of things are going on to help sort of improve the situation but you know eventually it gets to a point where i think people just kind of become sort of numb to whatever they're seeing and see they're like all right like does this you know affect me does it not mm-hmm. and sometimes it's like you know i mean there's a, probably a gazillion things they could be covering on the news but it's like what people choose yeah is what your news clicks and attention yeah and so this article is really good he says stepping back from news is hard we're afraid of silence afraid to be alone with our thoughts that's why we pull our phones out when we're waiting in line at a coffee shop or the grocery store we're afraid to ask ourselves deep and meaningful questions and we're afraid to be bored we're so afraid that to avoid it we'll literally drive ourselves crazy consuming pointless information and so he ends the article by just saying we should be reading more books and fewer articles and if you must read the news read it for facts and data not opinions Mm -hmm. so yeah i thought that was solid and um yeah i've been trying to read more books because of that yeah it sucks i have a bunch of books in storage uh that i need to get out (laughs) one of my hobbies is buying books and not necessarily reading them i just like to buy them huh I, re- I read the cliff notes and then I throw them in the trash. Well, they look good on the shelf, right? It's like, yeah. <laughs> I am a very smart person because I have this book. I'm not. <laughs> it's funny. I, I used to, most of the books I ever used to buy were always like kind of like music information stuff. Sure. I, ne- I never went to school or, or did like, uh, you know, that type of stuff. So I'd always just buy a ton of music books, either like theory or, you know, or like those guitar grimoire books or whatever those are called yeah I've got all the scales and and chords but i've been trying to do more reading it's funny for the longest time i could i could never sit and just like read a book it just i don't know i, I don't think i had like the attention span mm-hmm. plus like i'm one of those people that sometimes i have like i'll read something and i'll have to like read it again to like really sort of like take it in i don't like to just like read and then you're like wait what, what did i actually just read like you forget <laughs> yeah, yeah. it you know just like skim through everything and yeah what just happened yeah like uh, a good thing that i've tried to do is actually like like when reading like kind of like either like reading it out loud helps yeah like even if it's just kind of like lowly you know like low volume just like mumbling to yourself yeah yeah like i I feel like yeah i feel like it almost helps like uh there was this video from tim ferris i think where he was talking about like how he intakes information in a book and he he was talking about how he like writes little notes on the inside like you know if i put like a a star next to it it means this and then it's like oh Oh, this is like an important thing and i thought that was pretty cool because there's a lot of times when you are reading a book and you're like man there was this like one part where like it really resonated with me but i can't remember where it is and then you gotta like no idea where it is so like he'll like (laughs) highlight stuff or like underline it and then put like oh like page you know 49 star blah, 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 blah. And it's a pretty interesting video. It's like a short little one on his YouTube channel, but I was like, oh, it's because, I mean, for someone who reads a lot of books, I would think, you know, someone like him, especially because it's down to a science. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I thought that was pretty cool. Cause yeah, like I'm, I'm horrible with reading books, but I try to, you know, I mean, I'm reading stuff all, all day on the computer, but there's something to say about like taking time to sit and read, you know, I think it's, I think it's good. Totally. It's funny. I was watching uh, this YouTube video last night of this guy. Uh, he had some video like 
eight methods that helped me become a millionaire or something like that. Okay. And, and he was talking about, he's like, one of the things that I've always heard, he's like, from any successful person who, you know, either has a really successful business or, you know, is a millionaire, you know, that sort of thing. He's like, if you ask any of them, most of the time, they'll tell you that they read like nonstop. Hmm. Like they're just kind of always in taking info and learning stuff. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I think being curious is definitely uh, a trait of successful people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was a, there, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, there was another thing that he was talking about too, where he was saying uh, one of the things like there's people that, you know, when it goes to like, you know, they go to start something new, like either start a YouTube channel or trying to start a business. Yeah. It's like most people, like they get that motivation to want to do that one thing. But then once they go to the next step of like, oh, well, now I need to learn how to do this thing. Then they just like cut it off. He's like, most people who usually go to start something end up stopping because they realize, oh, I have all these other things I need to learn. You know, especially mm -hmm. if you're like, a, you know, a single person trying to start a business, more than likely at first, you're going to be the one who's going to be wearing all the hats before you can have enough money to hire people and, you know, yeah, bring someone on. Hey, you know, like I learned, you know, about Instagram and Facebook and doing all this stuff. All right, now you can do this. And now, you know, before you're passing all the hats around, but he was like, uh, one of the things that, that he's found most of the time, people who are willing to like learn new things, you know, or have that kind of like autodactic personality where like you want to learn stuff more than likely they tend to be more successful too, which is very true. Like, mm -hmm. like so, it's funny how there's like some people that just naturally do that. And some people who just naturally like quit and then they wonder like, <laughs> why can't, why can't I get further ahead? And it's like, well, start learning new stuff, man. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that like, that kind of ties into this infographic that I found this week. It's called how to be productive and oh. uh, we'll put it up on the screen. Yeah. Um, I was like, I was looking at that. Yeah. We'll put it up on the screen for the YouTube viewers uh, and we'll leave a link, but one of the infographic like paths is hacks and it says visualize your end product which i don't know if you've ever done with like uh an artist library or like a you know performance or anything like that but like mm -hmm. visualizing you know what would this feel like if it was a success you know like how would this look at the end of it when i'm done mm -hmm. and um if you can kind of like detail those goals it really helps with kind of guiding your path along the way. Yeah. Uh, and then he says, start before you feel ready, avoid chicken and egg syndrome. So it's easy. One. It's very easy to kind of just like get stuck in a rut of like, Oh, well, I don't know if I should do this or this first. It's like, just guilty, <laughs> guilty, man. It's funny. I, I'm guilty of that, but I've also like sometimes not done that i guess like you know like there's sometimes where like, i don't know if it's just like not necessarily like procrastination but kind of uh -huh. like that like when you know something's going to be like you know very time consuming like this is not going to be an easy thing yeah it's, yeah it's like you're like well i mean you know you start to think of all the things that need to be done versus like just starting from step one sure you know and uh yeah like um i know we we kind of touched on this a little bit in one of the previous podcasts but like there's you know with that guitar library that i've been working on for however long like that was such a a time consuming thing like i don't even think i really fully knew what i was getting into 
No, you didn't. But I just, I just knew I needed to start. Like, um, like I was talking with Greg, one of one of the other, you know, Greg Stevens, uh, Sound Iron OG, and we were talking about it for the longest time. But a lot of the time that went into thinking about that, it was very necessary because it Mm -hmm. was like, I knew I had something that I wanted to do with this guitar library. It's like a metal guitar library that, you know, it will, it will come out when it, when it comes out, but when it's ready. Yeah. When it's ready. But like, it was like one of the things with that, like I had a very clear objective of what I wanted to do by the time I sort of thought it all out. And and sometimes you you need to do that. And it was more or less like, like, what did I want it to be? And really Mm. just thinking about that before going forward with the recording and and all that kind of stuff. You were visualizing your end product. Exactly. Cause it's, it's just like, writing a song to a degree it's 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 one of those things like you you hope it turns out good but you have to sometimes think about all the all the little things like if you're writing a song like what what do you want the feeling to be what do you want you know how long do you want it to be do you want it to have a lot of arcs do you want to have a lot of changes is it very simple you know like those are all those types of things that are good to think about before you start you know it's good to i think i have a general guideline i think you know it's like sort of like why people do piano sketches before doing like a fully fleshed out orchestral thing. Sure. It's like, you, you need to have like the bones there or else you're just kind of grabbing at straws. I don't know, you know what I should do. You know, should I do this? Like it, when you have a million possibilities, it's very easy to just kind of have that chicken and egg thing. Cause yes. then you're just like, I don't, I don't know. But when you have like a very clear cut vision and you think about that and kind of have that fleshed out, everything else almost sort of falls in line. Yeah. And the next thing on the path, it says, assume you are right when you, when you are in doubt, decisive is productive. And one of the guys that I pay attention to, he, he talks about like, if you are on the beach and you're trying to swim toward an Island that you can just barely see in, you know, like out in the ocean, it's a lot easier to change direction. Once you're already swimming out, out to the Island, like you can look at that point when you get a little closer and go, okay, I just need to adjust course like this rather than just staying on the beach and just like squinting your eyes and hoping that it gets more clear what directions you should take. Mm-hmm. So decisive is productive. And I really yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, what was the other one that was talking about uh, clothes, like having a very like simple, uh, and this is something I know I've heard a lot from other people who have like, uh, you know, successful morning routines or whatever, like that, you know, they do the same thing. Like, I think, uh, what was it? Like, people are talking like that Mark Zuckerberg guy that he wears like the same shirt every day and, or like, even like yeah, well, Bill Steve Gates, Jobs like, famously had yeah. uh, the, the black turtleneck and blue jeans and yeah, several like tech uh, successful entrepreneurs have like uniforms that they wear. So yeah, this, this article says define your fashion uniform and wear it daily. Yeah. I just grab whatever shirts on top. Boom. Done. Boom. Metal to inspire you. Yeah. It's usually uh, some, something creepy. Or Breaking Bad. Also creepy. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I always try to keep it simple. I don't, I don't know. I've never been like a very like fashion forward guy. Usually try to keep it simple. But yeah, it's just like pants, shirt, done. Yep. The thing that takes the longest is combing my hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Luscious locks, man. Luscious locks. Um, so we talked a little bit, a couple episodes about uh, back about networking. And I found another article. This is from 2017, but it's called Networking for Nerds. And this guy basically says, like, I hate this word. And like, I'm I'm a nerd. I went to grad school. 
networking was for slick haired salesmen, former jocks and social parasites. Oh, wow. And uh, so, yeah, he really doesn't like it. Right. But he basically says, always a slave to the scientific method. I proceeded with a networking might be useful as a hypothesis and did many experiments. Some were successful, some less so. And here are just a few of the specific tactics I've developed. At the end of the day, all of them boil down to one thing. Make it easy for the other person to remember you, to help, and to meet. So make it easy for the other person to help you, to meet you, and to remember you. Which I think we've touched on before. Just like make it memorable, you know, with like the... the Cold emails and stuff. Exactly. Is like make it as easy as possible to, you know like remember you and like have a pleasant feeling when they, when they kind of like pull your face in their, uh, in their Mm -hmm. mind, you know? Yeah. So tactic one is the projection model. And basically he says like everyone has a mental model of themselves, almost like a, a baseball card, like a playing card that like, you know, you pull this, like, or like a Pokemon card, you know, mm-hmm. you, you're like, okay, the, here are my stats. Here are these things that are about me here. Are like the three bullet points that I want everyone to know, or like when they think of my name, they think of these things. Yeah. Um, and so if you can create like a distinct mental model or a distinct like attributes about yourself that you advertise, it really helps if it's distinct, whenever this attribute comes up in conversation, you will instantly come to mind to these people and you'll start getting messages like we were having a discussion about X and would love to bring you on as an advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he talks about like AR, VR, like virtual reality, augmented reality. When that first started getting more popular, there were only a few people who were like obsessed nerds about it. Mm-hmm. And so if you knew one of those people, you were calling them all the time to ask them questions and things like that. Yeah. Um, so tactic two is know your ask, make it easy to help. And the way to do that is just make the, like what you're asking them of them to, as simple and as like straightforward as possible. So he says, good examples of asks are, I'm looking to get in touch with people who are director level or above in the elder care industry. Do you know anyone? So that's basically like a very direct question for a very specific title that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Another one is I need a new apartment in San Francisco under 2200 a month, preferably in the mission. And at that point, everyone says, get lost, kid. That's never going to happen. <laughs> I'm looking for customer facing jobs in robotics that take advantage of my unique combination of technical skills and people skills. So that makes it very easy for the person you're, you know, making an ask makes it very easy for them to either say, yes, I can help you or no, I can't help you. And then tactic three is pre-meeting motions. So he talks about scheduling. He says, do say what you want to talk about during the meeting in the email. It makes it easy for them to say yes. And it gives you both a little reminder when you go back and check the email right before the meeting. Don't use the term I'd like to pick your brain about. It screams, I'm not willing to do legwork to come up with specific questions and topics. Do give as much information as possible. Like I'm based in SF in the mission and I will be here on Thursday afternoons. Don't be vague or pretend to be busy when you're not. One of my favorite lines to avoid vagueness is, I'm flexible on time and place, but like to offer a concrete suggestion, dot, dot, dot. And then actually offer like a specific date and time. 
Uh, this list goes on, but basically at the end of the day, all of this boils down to ways to make it easy for people to keep you in mind, to help you and to engage with you. If you keep that heuristic in mind, it will be a snap to internalize these tactics and come up with ones of your own. And that is networking in a nutshell, networking for nerds. Nice. Yeah. I like that. The whole, like a uh, baseball card analogy sure. thing is kind of like, like yeah. yeah, it's like when you think of when someone says like, Oh, what did you think about, about him? Like, what are, you know, what are the things about him that you notice? Like, Oh, you know, he's polite. Um, maybe like very knowledgeable in a specific field. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, quick learner, you know, it's like when you're doing a job resume, it's like what, you know, when you put like the sort of, uh, your little strengths or, you know, stuff like that. Oh yeah. Like, like what are the like attributes of yourself that are, noteworthy sort of thing you know what's your biggest weakness huh i was it i work too hard and i care too much <laughs> yeah exactly i'm too honest uh i saw a joke that said like interviewer asked you what your biggest weakness is and you say uh i'm too honest and they say how is that a weakness and you say i don't give a f what you think oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and you don't get the job yeah. Or they're like, you know what? I like you, kid. You got spunk. Right. It's a determining factor in uh, yeah. whether you're a good fit. Yeah. One of the most interesting things I found in the past couple of weeks was this Twitter thread from Trung Fan, who works at The Hustle, uh, which is a newsletter for entrepreneurs. Nice. And he says, a Netflix user will browse the app for 90 seconds and leave if they find nothing. Thumbnail artwork is actually Netflix's most effective lever to influence a viewer's choice. A user will look at one thumbnail for only 1.8 seconds. So Netflix spends huge to optimize them. And he shows a breakdown of basically they will take one movie or one show and they will just keep switching the thumbnail for it. I noticed that based on what they think you will be most interested in. So let's wow. say like uh, squid game is the big, the big hit. So like if Victoria, my wife logs in to Netflix, she will likely see a different thumbnail for squid game than I will when I go. Interesting. So he says, our eyes move three to four times per second to process information. And we can analyze an image in as little as 13 milliseconds. Um, the thumbnail artwork is the biggest influencer to watch the content and is the focus of 82% of browsing time. So when you're browsing, you're just browsing thumbnails. Mm -hmm. And he said, consequently, Netflix uses this elaborate thumbnail selection process. For reference, a one hour episode of Stranger Things has 86,000 frames in the hour, you know, frames per second. And basically each frame in the show is tagged with metadata identifying key variables like how bright or contrasted it is, if there's skin, like the level of skin in it, mm -hmm. um, if there's a face, things like that. So they get each frame of the episode gets graded on these variables and then gets ranked algorithmically, of course, if they have expressive faces, if the main characters are showing, if the thumbnail's bright enough. And they're basically just creating this like unlimited amount of thumbnails per show. Mm -hmm. So he goes on to say thumbnails with villainous characters outperform, like when they have bad guy thumbnails for 
dragons race to the edge and of course they're testing this stuff constantly mm-hmm. um orange is the new black they showed that if you only have one character in the thumbnail people are more likely to click on it than if there's an ensemble in the thumbnail interesting so he gives an example of goodwill hunting so rom-com watchers get the top thumbnail a date when it kind of looks like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind Whereas comedy fans get the bottom thumbnail, which has Robin Williams in it. And if you are a comedy fan, then you like Robin Williams, most likely. Same thing with Pulp Fiction. Uma Thurman fans get the top thumbnail with her smoking a cigarette, while John Travolta fans get the bottom thumbnail of him reading a book. Interesting. And they're A-B testing the whole time. Uh, So it's really fascinating. And... I think like the biggest thing is just how important thumbnails are. Um, yeah. And I know, you know, I know in the YouTube game it's the same way. And I know yeah, like, yeah. The, the top pros are like AB testing thumbnails on videos. Like they'll swap a thumbnail even like a couple hours later after it releases just, and just see if it, if it does better numbers, if it gets more clicks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's just wild how, like how visual humans are. Yeah, I mean, because it really is the same. I mean, YouTube's even more broad because there's so many like millions of videos. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, in you or in uh, Netflix, you know, they have a certain amount of movies. You know, it's always going to cycle through. But I mean, you can apply a lot of that stuff. And I think about that too, like especially when you're scrolling, you might be on like one like uh, action suspense. You're scrolling through, and then you go to another one. It's like thriller something right. and you'll see like the same stuff but it'll be like a different cover like <laughs> yeah I, mean, I, don't, I don't remember it being that i thought it was the rock on there and now it's you know mark Wahlberg or something and you're like what the <laughs> so I, I i definitely think about that i've i've also done that too where you do like a thumbnail and then later on you come back and you're like actually i think i think i could do it better or i could make it a little bit more visually interesting mm-hmm you know, or like, especially like with audio, it's like, what do people like to see? It, it varies. You know, some people just want to learn like basic information. Some people might see like some crazy studio shot and they're like, oh, like, you know, their studio looks cool. I want to check out this video or, yeah. or you see like hands on the keyboard and maybe they're, you know, pianist and they're like, oh, like maybe I'll learn some keyboard stuff. So with YouTube, I, I'm wondering when YouTube's actually going to do this. I think I was talking to you about this like a couple of weeks ago, like, just kind of randomly through chat. Like, I wonder when YouTube's going to have at least some kind of option where you can have multiple, like upload maybe like two to three thumbnails. Yeah. And then you can see which one people tend to click on. And then you can kind of select that as either like a main where you could actually sort of AB test the thumbnails that you upload instead of just like one, you know, that would, that'd be interesting if they ever do that. But yeah, I would, I I would definitely expect them to implement that at some point because it is useful. Yeah. Gotta get on that thumbnail game. Strong thumbnail game. Yeah. Bright colors. What was it? Orange, blue, green. Oh yeah. And then a a face looks, looks surprised. (laughs) Yeah. You gotta have millions of views. Yeah. You gotta have the, (laughs) You got to be shocked about something that you made the video about. So. And it's got to be like a financial flex in the title too. Like, uh, like yeah. dining in the most expensive restaurant in the world. Yep. I stayed one night in a millionaire's house. Boom. Million views. 
You're viral. We're giving you all the secrets here, people. <laughs> this is the sauce. <laughs> this is the secret sauce. Exactly. The last thing is I read Leonardo da Vinci's biography. Uh, Walter Isaacson did his biography and he did Steve Jobs' biography. And so he's like one of the like living legends of uh, biographers. So nice. it was really interesting. I didn't know that much about da Vinci, but uh, he was incredibly curious mm -hmm. and he took all these, you know, all these journal notes and we still have lots of his writings. And back when he was writing, paper was super expensive, you know, like it wasn't easy to come by. Mm -hmm. And so he would fill in the margins, like he would use every single bit of the space. So like, it's just these scribbles, just like constant scribbles. It just looks like a, like a black page. It's just like top to bottom. It looks like a beautiful right. mind, like just a crazy person's work. Like, I mean, he filled up, he filled it up and he also was left-handed. So he would write, uh, right to left in order to not smudge his writing. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's very interesting. Um, yeah. and you know, he was, he, he received most of his fame for his painting, but he also made like huge discoveries in, uh, like anatomy, like, uh, just like all kinds of sciences, flying weaponry. And, um, the main thing that was like so frustrating for me when I was listening to this book is he never shipped anything. So he would, he would say, he would write down in his journal, he would be like, when I eventually write a treatise on this and you know, like publish a book on whatever mm -hmm. subject, like, let's say like dissecting a pig, he would say like, when I eventually do this, I will make sure to include these things. And he never published a single book never like <laughs> never published any of his research and so like he just never shipped this stuff yeah and um he would he would basically work for years and years like on the mona lisa i worked for like 12 years on this painting so it's that kind of stuff that really makes me mad because he was like hundreds of years ahead of the medical research mm -hmm. that he, like he was doing just like amazing things with his hypothesis but uh, he never shared it with anyone. He just and left so, it on the hard drive. Yeah, just just left it. So <laughs> don't leave your work sitting. Just done is better than perfect. Yeah. One of one of my favorite uh, guys to follow on Twitter, uh, his name's Sohil, and he just posts every Friday. He says, "What did you ship this week?" Mm -hmm. And like, I I just love that because I I'm a true believer in like done is better than perfect, mm -hmm. and you know he you have all these people responding like, Oh, I shipped this thing this week. Or like my company did this and made this happen. And he's like, other companies can broadcast their values and like, you know, talk about like big pictures and cast big visions. But at this company, we ship things like mm -hmm. we send things out and we release products and services and get things done. I'm a big advocate for execution. Yeah. I mean, it's really what it comes down to. It's like when you have that friend who's always talking about that big business idea, but he hasn't like taken the step forward to do it. Like I, I you know, I, I've known some people who are like, I'm going to do this YouTube channel. It's going to be like this. I'm going to talk about this. I'm setting up my room to be this thing. It's going to be really cool. Mm -hmm. And they never do it. 
they're like still tweaking every little thing like oh i'm adding this like one more light <laughs> you know it's like that whole like you know the vision has to be perfect but the thing is it's like even when that happens and you start and you you know you, you know say once you finally get those videos rolling you're always going to be changing something it's always going to evolve right and it's like that whole you know yeah like done is better than perfect because it's like at least when it's done you have something to show for and somewhere to to go from versus mm -hmm. just like living in your head you know like one of the things i've been trying to do too is uh kind of like brain dumping you know if you i'm yeah. sure you probably heard that term where it's just like it, it's easy to have all these ideas in your head but it's like it's not until you like kind of lay them out that you now sort of free your mind to sort of execute these things because it's very easy to have a million ideas or like oh i want to do this i want to do this i want to try it like this i want to change this but right like you have to like lay that stuff out you got to like free up the hard drive a little bit before you can sort of like create new things so i don't know if, if that's something that you do or yeah i love writing things down on a piece of paper and then like optimizing or scratching things off reorganizing like once i see it you know we're very visual uh, creatures. So once I see it all on the page, it's very easy to like number things like, okay, this is the where to start. This is the easiest thing to get done fast. So I'm going to mm -hmm. do this and like work on a snowball effect. Um, mm -hmm. And that's the basic, the basic concept for just like spilling all of that stuff or making a mind map, you know, where you are connecting the dots or like connecting circles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Versus like all of it just being in your head. And then, you know, it's like, yeah, when you have it laid out, you can reorganize it. But when it's all in your head, it's it's very easy for things to get behind things almost. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, my, my brain kind of gets like that where it's like you start focusing on one thing. You're like, oh, actually, this thing needs to happen. So it's right. like you just got to lay all that stuff out so then you can see it. Oh, okay. It's like just like a, you know, that's why calendars and, you know, lists and stuff like that are really helpful. Asana. Asana. <laughs> Is it Asana or Azana? Azana. I'm, I'm going to call it Azana. You already do. With a Z, a hard <laughs> Z, like a capital Z. Yeah, you should probably tweet at them and let them know they should change it. To that. I don't have it. I don't have Twitter. Sorry. I'll tweet at them for you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Make sure to uh, at me, even though I'm not on there. <laughs> hit me, hit me with that. At Soundiron. Yeah. Hit me with that hashtag. Yeah. But no, no that stuff is, uh, you know, the whole like term brain dumping, I think is funny, but it's very, it's very helpful. You know? Yeah. And that, and that's good for anything, whether it's, work or home stuff you know like oh like you're you know like you go grocery shopping and you're like wait what was i supposed to get again right as soon as you, you get home in. and you're like oh, i forgot the milk <laughs> you know you gotta Absolutely. write that stuff. you gotta write that stuff down i like uh actually i think on my phone that it's like the newer iphones they have in the list you can set it to where it's kind of like little like checks things that you can actually like bubble list them so if you're like all right got that boop got that boop you could just like check them off uh-huh that's pretty satisfying because you know, before I would just have this list and just delete stuff. I'm like, all right, I got this. I got this stuff for drinks. You know, I'm just like yeah. deleting it. So I just, you know, once I'm done, all right, check out and get out. Got a checklist. I like it. Yeah. Um, that's what actually how I made Quadril is um, I basically just brain dumped a bunch of categories that I knew that I wanted to include. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up with 16 categories of synth pad types and then since this is like a uh, quadril is like four quadrants 
um, everything was based on fours. So I did, it's a four layer synth engine, morphing synth engine. And then I did 16 categories and each category has 24 sounds in it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, putting all of those together, you can create a lot of like really interesting soundscapes and pads and leads. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, very cool library. That was my second artist library with sound iron and um i'm already started on quadril two nice you got me beat dude you got to get that that metal guitar going yeah 2022 2022 heads are getting ripped off <laughs> metaphorically yes not literally but yeah man by i'm, the, I'm by super, the power of rock yeah i'm super pumped on that because there's a lot of things about it, it it's uh you know, I mean, just like a lot of other libraries, you know, there's plenty of string libraries, there's plenty of, you know, plenty of brass or, you know, and same thing, you know, like virtual instruments, there's, you know, multiples of every kind, but, you know, for every player, you know, there's, there's always something that you're looking for. It's like music, you Mm -hmm. know, there's plenty of music out there. Should you not write a, a song anymore just because someone's done something in maybe a similar vein? Sure. But there's always something to be, you know, tweaked in a way that maybe you think fits something that has been missing for you. And I think with, with this guitar library, there's something that I feel has always been kind of missing. There's like something that's like, it's not quite there. I feel like we just had a little bit more of this or, you know, either whether it's like how it's laid out or how it sounds, you know, and I, I think with this one, with just some of the tests that I've done with it, I feel like I'm like, wow, that's actually kind of sort of like, how it sounds. I mean, of course, you know, because it's me playing, it's, it's going to sound like me, you know, but it's like just that extra level. It's like having something at triple forte when normally you can't, you can't get okay. to it. It's like, you know, I've, I'm hitting the key as hard as I can and it's just not quite getting that extra bit of attack or, you know, that sort of thing. So right. um, there's, there's definitely some, some special things that I, I poured into this library of, that I've been wanting and hopefully for other people, whether you're in bands or, you know, writing your own music or you're a drummer and, you know, you can't quite play guitar, you know, this will be something pretty helpful for that. But yeah, Quadril is a super, super cool library. It definitely has those Blade Runner vibes. Like when I was first messing with it, I was just like, oh, that's nice. You know, especially when you start <laughs> using the the XY pad, mm-hmm. that that's where like you sort of unlock the magic in the library. It's like you have all these cool sounds and then it's like once you start kind of interweaving between them it's like you enter this like new dimension it's like really cool yeah blade runner 2049 was definitely the the number one inspiration for the library Mm -hmm. but there is something to be proud of when you kind of birth your own creation into the world um and i remember when we were first released hyperion strings micro we had people not a lot of people but you know some people were like why did you guys make a string library but because we like, there's already so many string libraries in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we didn't have one yet. Sound iron didn't have one yet. And here are all the things that we bring to the table that we think are different. And, you know, there's, it's a very dry, it's a very bright sound. And, um, you know, Hyperion strings micro is one of our best sellers and, um, uh, people really like the library and people, you get a lot of use out of it, especially in, different genres than you would typically see a string library and so just because there are already so many people doing a certain subject doesn't mean that it's off limits 
Yeah, which is cool. You know, it's it's like a con- like one conversation being had by 20 different people. Like it's always going to go into a different direction or have a different take or different perspectives. You know, some people might focus more on the the room sound because they really love the sound of the room. Yeah. And then there's some people that are like, well, I mean, I, I like that room sound, but I want something that's a little bit more, has a little bit more bite to it, a little bit more dry. All right, well, then there's this, or maybe there's something that has a has both, or maybe you know, smaller group of players versus a big group of players, like, you know, or, you know, different rooms have their own characteristics. So maybe you like the sound of blending two of them together. So, you know, that, that's the thing that I feel is always important is a different take on something might be what a certain project calls for. Maybe you Mm -hmm. have all these other ones that are these big, huge symphonic sounds, but you're like, I I don't really need that for this. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, it's like guitar tones, you know, you can have like these really clean sparkly sounds, some really kind of like raw, gritty, you know, mid gain stuff. You're like, there's no really like one size fits all. It's always nice to just have options. And I think right. as musicians or composers, we're all looking for something to inspire us or bring out something special in, in a particular project. So it's like everyone's perspective is is important so it's kind of like why not explore that absolutely and variety is the spice of life i'm always looking for new plugins you know to make ambiences and make new sounds and so like you know when you get a new tool or a new toy uh it definitely kind of gives you that that inner excitement of like christmas morning you know just like being able to try something new and um experiment yeah, I feel like I haven't been on the plugin hunt as much as I as much as I used to. I think, you know, especially when you sort of have your like go-to plugins for things, you know, once you kind of like, ah, I feel like I'm doing the same things or maybe you've ex- you know, explored a lot of options as far as what those plugins have. You know, lately I think I've been kind of getting a little bit more curious about newer plugins and stuff like like when I saw that um uh, the plugin alliance one, I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Like you know, and, and it's probably a very specific type of sound. Like, I don't know. I know we were talking about like mastering plugins and stuff before, but like, you know, sometimes certain limiters might be better for certain things or, you know, in combination, like, I don't know if, if you ever experiment with, um, multiple limiters. I have before where like, instead of having one limiter cranked, you have one just maybe just a little bit and then another one kind of just a little bit too so you're sort of like not just Game smashing it. it yeah it's, it's not just like crushing the signal super hard and and i always thought that was kind of an interesting take so you know but maybe one limiter has a specific characteristic and then another yeah. one has a, uh, another one you know another type of characteristic so you're not just like slamming it through it's like having all this food and you're trying to cram it down the garbage disposal it's like having two garbage disposals that you're kind of putting food into Nice. And it just creates a mess. No, I'm just, I don't know <laughs> if that's, that's probably not the greatest analogy, but like, yeah, it's just like sort of using multiple things in, in conjunction with each other to kind of get maybe a particular sound or that sort of thing. Smart. I could be doing it wrong. I could be doing it wrong this whole time, but yeah, it's like always, you know, just experimenting with different stuff. And, but yeah, I gotta, I gotta pick your brain more on, on some new cool plugins. Cause I'm, I haven't really been on the hunt too much. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes I think I, I get overloaded, you know, or like you, you just like, Oh, I want this. I want this. You get all these plugins and you're like, I don't even remember what they were called, where they're <laughs> yeah. at. 
Did I even download it? Did I install it? Yeah. 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 But uh, there was a, a plugin that popped in my head when you were talking about one of the ones that you got. It was, it's sort of like the gate sequencer thing. I have oh, yeah. one like that that I used to use sometimes. I, I've probably used it in a sound iron session a while back, but it's called it's from uh, Kilo Hearts. Oh yeah, I yeah. I don't remember what it's called, but it's some kind of it's some kind of gate sequencer. It just looks like a little like little circle, and there's like different presets for kind of like or you can like customize it or and it's really cool for for creating some kind of groove or motion in in anything it could be you know even on like a vocal or something yeah. if you just want to give it that kind of like stuttery sort of sound or it's glitchy yeah it, yeah but yeah it's a, it's a really cool plugin um i think it, it it might come with like the with the slate the slate subscription but uh Got it. It's, yeah it's a pretty it's a pretty cool one i use that sometimes when i just want to like make something have a little bit more of a rhythm like easily just throw it on there and just play around with the presets or if you have a particular uh rhythm that you're going for it's really easy to set up rhythmic interest yeah we all need a little bit of that <laughs> mix it up yeah so i guess we could talk about some recommendations things that we want to recommend um i think i'll probably just be recommending the that free master desk plugin uh, yeah so i'm gonna download it right after this yeah. So for anyone, you know, whether you have some, some plugins or not, uh, it seems like a cool one to, to have and experiment with, especially if you're getting into doing any of your own mastering work. I think it's a pretty cool one. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who probably have a ton of different plugins. I know I have my sort of go-tos that I use for mastering, but I always like to kind of experiment with stuff like that just to, you know, see if there's anything that I can use to sort of make my production sound a little bit better. So it's free until the 24th on the search for new colors all the time. Yeah. So it's free right now. I think it's normally like 149 or something like that. So take advantage, get some new free plugins. I'll grab it. My recommendation is uh, native instruments just celebrated 25 years of existence, which is pretty cool, but they yeah. released a new contact player library. It's a freebie. Uh, you just have to like enter your email and be signed up with a NI user account, but it's called 25 and they basically just took a bunch of their old library samples from like different synths, different, um, like acoustic samples. And then they took wave tables on the other side and it's a two, like two layer crossfade between them and their contact play, uh, template and it's got lots of snapshot. It's got lots of snapshot presets and um, it sounds really cool. It's got lots of like randomized features and macros that you can create yourself. So it's definitely worth checking out and um, it's got some great sounds in it. Nice. Yeah. I remember hearing about that a while back. I haven't had a chance to, to check it out, but. Uh, I think it's free through the end of November. So a couple more weeks. Oh, nice. I got to get me a copy of that. Snag it. Yeah. And then also today, well, when we release this podcast, it won't be today, but today we just released Los Andes Pan, Pan Flutes. Yeah, we have a is, new Pan Flute library out with four different Pan Flutes from Patagonia, Argentina. Yeah, really cool. Lots of, you know, different color sounds. And you know, I, I think one of the things that I really like is the, uh, the vibrato articulations. I love how those sound yeah. super expressive. It's, um, it's all solo pan flute 
and there are over 10,000 phrases that uh, the player recorded. And so there's just a ton of flute content. Yeah. Alejandro Fatur, really good player. He's like a you know, multi-instrumentalist too. He has a lot of different other instruments that he plays. Yeah. You can definitely tell he's played for years. He just sounds very experienced and yeah. uh, <laughs> very professional. Yeah. But yeah, it's on sale right now currently for 59, normally 79. So it's going to be on sale through the end of the month, pretty much till the 29th. Get it while it's hot. Yeah. So it's a very cool one. Definitely make sure to check out the walkthrough and composition videos. And uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll catch you next week. All right, man. Adios. Peace. Peace.